Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. How could the Singapore budget affect your personal finances? What are the top takeaways? All Singaporean households will get $600 in CDC vouchers, half of which will be given out this year in June. The other tranche of the $600 will be given out January 2025. And don't forget to spend all your CDC vouchers. These things do expire. I thought today we'd focus down on what a professional who helps people from all walks of life thinks is the most important aspects of understanding the budget to make it work for you and your money. Time to say welcome to Elijah Lee, who's Senior Financial Services Manager at Philips Securities. Good morning, Elijah. Good morning, Michelle. I totally resonate with your, with your CDC vouchers thing because there was one year I almost forgot to finish spending it as well. Almost, but yeah. you caught yourself almost, there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I had to spend everything within like the last week uh, of, the, of the year. What stood out for you as someone who helps others plan their finances? Well, okay, if you really want to know what stood out, I think everyone's talking about it anyway, uh, and that would be the closure of CPMSA at the age of 55. That I felt that was a pretty, uh, some of the incremental decisions made were not too bad. Elijah, you mentioned changes to the CPFSA. I've been I've been discussing this with a lot of people this mm, week. I'm sure. And they all say it's really a small proportion of Singaporeans. And I'm sure it is possible as well uh, to project the future numbers of Singaporeans who, are, who likely will be able to hit the full retirement sum by the time they hit 55. Because really, it's only if you have funds over this now that with the changes, you'll have the opportunity to maybe have some flexibility, right? Only if you are able to hit the full retirement sum by the time you hit 55. Could the excess maybe be kept in your OA or maybe withdrawn. You first need to hit the full retirement sum. And I just want people to understand this because when the SA is no more in 2024, the full retirement sum will be something like $205,800. That's next year. And this goalpost of a sum moves up every year. It increases by 3.5% every year to keep up with inflation. Frankly, I need a calculator to figure out what my full (laughs) retirement sum is going to be when I hit 55. They they announce it uh, every few years. uh, The the increase year on year has been, as you mentioned, somewhere in the range of 3.5%, but it's actually a figure that they will announce. They've announced it all the way to 2027, actually. Yeah, yeah. Some of us are younger than that. So I but want we, to yeah, plan ahead. We got to wait. We got to wait. I'm younger than that too, so I, I have no clue what my full retirement sum is, but I'm just waiting for that now. Oh, that's why there's no calculator, because it could vary. Yeah, it could vary. It probably It's probably better just to wait for them to announce what it is. Yeah. Uh, okay, as someone who helps other people plan their finances then, and it may be a small proportion of people who eventually will have amounts above the full retirement sum to decide, yep. okay, do I keep in my OA, do I withdraw from my OA, do I, then when I withdraw from my OA, do I invest or do I invest with my OA? Why is this still a significant issue in your book? Well, okay, as you mentioned, right now, the the proportion of people who have done shielding, uh, and therefore you must have been you know, older than 55, is small. But this knowledge of shielding is 
increasing. You know, it was already increasing in in uh, in the general population because I do have people who are turning 55 in a few years come and ask me, hey, I heard this. Can mm. you explain what is it? Yeah. So you can tell that that knowledge of this is spreading. And if you um, if we if we just let it continue at its natural pace, I'm sure that that two percent which I remember is roughly the figure that was mentioned, 2% of people who shield when they turn 55, this proportion will be bigger and bigger over the years. I myself, to be frank, I was already intending to perform shielding when I turned 55, but obviously that's not going to come to pass. Yeah. But, uh, I, I hear your point that we may yeah. have known the number of people who have shielded over the years, but we yes. don't really know the number of people who are already who are studying planning. this strategy, yes. who are looking forward for to shielding for themselves. Yes. And this yes. cuts across all age groups, not only if you Correct. were 54, but maybe if you were 20 years old or if you were 40, because you wanted yeah. to act actively manage prepare for it yes correct I think think from what I saw you're talking about the 2% in 2021 I believe for that that year publicly available for that year but we don't know in total right yeah, so in total, we don't know, but, you know, I, I, I can assure you that, um, you know, financial literacy has been improving over the years, which yeah. is great. But uh, this also means that the percentage of people who will shield in time to come mm. will definitely have increased. I guess this does change planning for those people who have already intended to shield. And, and in fact, it's quite sad because my client does 55 one week before the budget. <laughs> and then he did the shielding and then, you know, now this thing happened. It's like, what and do we do like- now? Uh-oh, I have till 2025 Uh-oh. now. Yeah. Um, so so, what's, so what's, yeah. what are you advising people like him to do? Well, okay. Um, actually, uh, we are going back to the drawing board to rework uh, the numbers. Uh, I, I have to do this one by one for every client. Wow. So you can imagine it's going to be a busy few months ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, I think that, okay, well, the, the main point was that um, I understand where they, they, they say it was the principle of it, right? Lawrence Wong, they say it was the mm-hmm. principle that, that money is that, yeah, the rationalizing that, mm-hmm. that money that can be easily accessible should be earning short-term interest rates and um, money that could not be easily accessed should be earning the long-term interest rates. Mm-hmm. But shielding was always about having this special sweet spot where money that could be accessed still earn that long-term interest rates, which yeah. I think in the very long run would might have been completely unsustainable. It's really about something called policy. And um, policy Mm. is something that we as the uh, men on the street do not have control over. Right. So policy risk, this, right? Because people think, oh, you know, yes, CPF sure this to you, but will never risk. change. But actually, CPF has changed over the years. It's been rationalized. Yeah. It's been liberalized, I should say, to help us yeah. deal with medical and housing. Didn't even have like Medisafe and special accounts for like the for quite some years. You know, yeah. when CPF was introduced in the 1950s, I think it was just one account. And then special account came along, then Medisafe, something like that. I can't yeah, remember yeah. the exact sequence, mm-hmm. but the CPF system, it's a policy and policies have to evolve. So you it's need like to take policy risk into account when you yes, make correct. your plans. Okay, got correct. It. But policy risk plays out over, over years, if not decades, right? Because mm-hmm. like CPF life wasn't even a thing in the early 2000s. It was the minimum sum scheme. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and 20, I think it was early 2010s. So policy will cause changes and mm-hmm. policy must stay relevant and sustainable. And and I think that's where the government is, is looking at. So to, to have the CBS system sustainable, if they need to make changes, they will make changes. And if that impacts your retirement plans, then you also have to make changes to your own retirement plans. So why is it so, important to take note for retirement planning? 
for so for you and your clients. When, yeah, so moving forward, right, I will say this, this will not be the last change to CPF. There will be more. So In, while, in your opinion, this is just Elijah's uh, opinion, I should highlight. Yeah, this is my yeah. opinion. Uh, in, so yeah. in my opinion, when you do your retirement planning, mm. CPF must be a part of it, but we cannot fully rely on it, and we therefore need retirement plans or retirement frameworks mm. that must be, uh, I, w- I would like to say this phrase, fixed but flexible. You fix something you have in mind, but you are got to be flexible enough that if changes like this occur, you have to have the leeway to maneuver, move, change things so that you can still retire when you want. You know, CPF life pays at 65, but who said you have to retire at 65? Mm-hmm. Right? So you got to make sure that you are still largely in control of your retirement plan. You've got to plan with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Even if CPF changes, you've still got to be able to have that room and flexibility to adjust your plan so that you are on track. And definitely, you have to build policy rates into this. Now, I would say that government will not make sweeping changes in one shot. They make changes incrementally. Uh, but of course, this news of FA closing after 55 has been the biggest change in, I would say, recent years. You say yeah. unemployment benefits for the involuntarily unemployed also stood up for you. Why is that? Yes. It's been a thing in Singapore, that retrenchments, I mean. So I think it's great that government is trying to put something in place to address this. As you mentioned, you know, we're still waiting for details, right? But to have some unemployment uh, benefit, uh, I think would go a little bit towards cushioning the uncertainty of what happens if you get retrenched because I think it's not just about uncertainty, but it's also a lot about the stress on the person and his family. And, and I will go on air to say this, I've been retrenched before. Mm. So I know how painful it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know the uncertainty that you face. And if you know there's even anything that the government uh, would eventually implement that would you know give a little bit of um, breathing space for retrenched people, I still think that's a good thing. Thanks for sharing. I just want to see how they implement it. Because yeah. when you fall, you can fall quite quickly into a cycle of poverty when you Correct. are retrenched. So yeah. what are you looking for in the details? What do you mean by you want, you want to see it reflexively kick him? Well, yeah, hopefully it'll be something that um, they can apply for quickly. And of course, also, if companies would make the retrenchment known, then maybe that will cut down on processing time. And hopefully, okay, I, I wouldn't say that it should be like a monetary payout. It, of, of course, that will help. But measures to help people get back on their feet quick, wherever they can be. But mm. if this kick in quickly and at least, you know, uh, you spend less time in uncertainty and more time in, in trying to reposition yourself for the next offer. Mm. That that helps also, right? Financially, I'd say, you know, companies paying retraction benefits will, of course, be the first line, but that can only last that long. Support will be very, very important. Not just monetary support, but support in terms of upskilling, reskilling, uh, job hunting. You know, maybe that, there could be some kind of national portal to help people who are retrenched be more easily placed in the new position. Because it's so tightly defined as involuntarily unemployed, right? These benefits are linked to. I wonder if there's um, a case that can be made for case-by-case flexibility because we do know that Mm. there are some companies who make your life miserable towards the end because they don't want you... They they don't want to pay unemployment benefits. They'd rather rather you resign. Yeah, and so what are these Uh, individuals supposed to do? Should that happen, you know? If, if that happens, I, I got a feeling, unfortunately, this will probably fall out of the definition of involuntary unemployment. Mm. I really don't have a solution for this, but I think that if your life is being made very miserable in your company to the extent that it's you It's hard feel to prove these sort of things as well. So if you put the onus hard, right? on it's the very... person to prove on a case-by-case yeah, basis, it's, it's, it's tough, you know. 
It's like trying this to prove happened. bullying at the workplace. Yeah, uh, this happened to me. To all those who are going through this right now, you're listening to it. I just stay chin up, no worry, things will always get better. Yeah, look at yeah. Elijah. Look at him now. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Elijah is my guest this morning, and we are talking about how to make the budget work for you. People are so impressed at the money that's being made available to sectors like AI, and I think it's super yes. important because AI cuts across all the industries. In the past, you could see clearly with budgets, oh, the focus is on manufacturing. Oh, the focus yes. is on financial services. And here you have this like big investment going into AI. So important because I, I was looking at Salesforce survey that said 38% of people uh, in Singapore don't use generative AI tools because they just don't have the knowledge. So again, AI important across all sectors. Great to see investment being pumped in here. As an investor, when you look at the budget, do you think, oh, yeah, there could be certain sectors poised to become high growth ones? Well, uh, as you already mentioned, AI, I think is probably one of the areas, you know, really showing it up with their commitment. Of course, if you talk about investors looking at where to put their money, I still think tech is one area that you can have a tactical allocation to. The US side, I, the S&P 500 is largely dominated by the tech companies, Apple, NVIDIA, Microsoft and such. So it's an area where growth is definitely to some, you know, there's definitely some growth to be seen, but I feel like valuations are a bit high now, mm. but that's just my personal opinion. So I probably wouldn't overly weigh myself there until like the dust settles even though the S&P 500 just climbed yesterday night to another high but uh, you know how high can it go before it, it, it starts to drop again right so we got to be wary of that like we don't have another tech bubble like 20 years ago mm. further down the line okay we saw an announcement uh, or rather a statement made by Lawrence Wong that the healthcare budget has tripled in the past decade it's a, a reminder that of course uh, healthcare related sectors will also continue be, to be in demand so healthcare funds health, healthcare companies you could look at that because definitely it's an aging population that will probably only benefit healthcare companies in terms of you know what they can offer. So healthcare tech is probably two sectors that I would probably want to have a tactical allocation in. Yeah, Not fully, just tactically. Don't overexpose yourself. Right, Stay fixed but flexible in case you need to switch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to give you sort of the final uh, 60 seconds or so as someone who deals with individuals mm. in Singapore, helping them plan for their financial future. You know, really the nuts and bolts. People come to you and they say, this is how much I earn. This is what I'm going for with my family, my plans and all that. Did you Do you hope to see anything addressed in future budgets that you didn't see in this budget? Okay, this is just me being me. But I'd like to see changes to uh, income tax brackets as well as the SRS system. I think this is something that is overdue. Income tax incomes have gone up over the years, right? So we we I, I feel like um the lower income bracket so so you, you start getting charged income tax up if your accessible is your chargeable income is more than twenty thousand. This twenty thousand figure has been around for like twenty years already. Uh I feel this number should be moved up. That's my take. Maybe to thirty thousand or something. So that's one thing. Mm. And the SRS system is probably long due for overhaul because mm. right now, today you can withdraw SRS over the next over ten years. I, I think I mentioned this before. Over ten years, you have ten years to take out uh, to take out your SRS once you start taking out. People are living longer. Why should this be ten years? Why can't this be fifteen or even twenty years? Mm. That's my wish list for future budgets. Okay. And if yeah, and if that happens, that will actually make the SRS system a lot more useful down the road. The supplementary yeah. retirement system. Correct. Scheme. It's a voluntary. Yeah. yeah. It's voluntary, but you know, 10 years, I felt it's too short. La. I felt it's too short. Okay. So if MO, Ministry of Finance is listening, yeah, 
All right. Well, thank you very much. I'm sure views no from all stakeholders are welcome. So thank you very much for sharing your perspective with us. He's Elijah Lee, Senior Financial Services Manager from Philips Securities. Thanks, Elijah. Have a good weekend. You too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.